This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What I've done is help athletes be the best they can be. We work on giving you that winning edge, that mental edge that will help you realize your potential. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for over 30 years as a sports psychologist. This is the first time I've ever listened to it. I'm on my way to church and I said, I got to pull over and talk. Right now is your chance to call Dr. Jacobs for free help with any sports-related problem. It's a wonderful form, and I, I must be a radio for me every time I, I'm in the Kansas City. And this show is about you. It's about having fun, working hard, building self-confidence, having the right attitude, being a good teammate, being a good parent, and being a good cook. Now, here's the sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm here every Sunday from 7 8 a.m., as you know, and we talk about the mental side of sports on this show, and we delve into all kinds of issues like self-confidence, developing a positive attitude, mental preparation, sportsmanship, all the things that affect you on and off the athletic field. I've been here for the last 16 years. I've been on the radio in Kansas City now for 26 straight years. I always like to say one of the best-kept secrets on Kansas City radio because I'm on so early on Sunday, but I know a lot of people listen to this show every week, and I look forward to getting in our conversations and discussions as we talk about the different topics I like to bring up. I've been in practice since 1981 as a sports psychologist, and I've had the privilege to work with athletes at all levels of sports, from the professional Olympic level down to Young, young people. And as you know, I last year co-authored our book, Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports with Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and Olympic swim coach Pete Malone. And uh, our book talks about a lot of different things. But I want to get into one of the topics on our book that applies to everybody. It applies to the Royals this morning after they lost an extra innings to the Dodgers yesterday 5-4. to four. It applies to everybody who plays sports. It's about overcoming failure. And our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. The reason we wrote the book, and Dr. Steve Joyce, orthopedic surgeon, prominent orthopedic surgeon here in town, is who worked with the Royals for over 30 years, has a chapter in the book about sports injuries, and our... Uh, Writer Matt Folks helped helped us put together really a, a really good book. Our our chapter embracing failure can lead to fun is there for this reason. I don't care what level of sport you play, I don't care what sport you participate in, you will fail. And we fail in life, we fail in everything we do, but especially in sports. And too often I'm seeing younger and younger athletes playing at incredibly competitive levels and having to learn how to deal with success and failure. And oftentimes what I'm seeing is that a lot of coaches don't teach about failure. They talk about winning. They talk about what you have to do to be successful. But when you fail, oftentimes it's not discussed. It's not delved into. It's not, it's not really looked at. And so I want to get into that this morning. How do you coach an athlete? How do you, as an athlete, overcome failure? And if you're a professional athlete, you've made it up to that level because you've learned how to do it. 
You know, a lot of people will say, like, the, the Royals lost last night to the Dodgers in extra innings when they were ahead 4-3 to three and then they lose 5-4. to four. It happens. When you play 162 baseball games during the regular season, you learn to, to a certain degree, be somewhat numb to dealing with these things. You have to. You can't get too high or too low because if you get too high or too low and carry that over into the next day, you can be in trouble. And for young athletes, for young people in general, learning about failing to me is a major, major component of what it takes to overcome the anxiety and stress and negativity you're going to get and have to deal with when you fail. So I'd like to find out from you if you are a coach. We're going to open up our phone lines early here this morning. I want to find out from you if you're a coach. When you have a team that has failed, when you have an athlete who has failed, do you say anything to them? Do you ignore them? Do you leave them alone? What do you do? How do you get a young athlete to learn about failing? Our phone number is 913-3810-810. I'll put up our phone lines now early in the show, see if we can get a discussion going about this. If you have played a sport and you have failed before, has it eaten at you and taken you down to the point that you couldn't bounce back? How did you deal with it? How did you handle it? How did you overcome it? 913-3810-810 is our number. If you are an athlete and you have failed, what did you do to bounce back? What did you do to, over, to overcome that? You know, if you're playing golf, I know a lot of people are on the way to the golf course this morning. You know, you have high expectations on your round today. You want to do well. And you triple bogey the first hole. Does that mean you're done for the round? Do you give up? Or do you use that as a motivator and challenge to focus harder and better for the, for the next hole? It doesn't matter what we do in life, we will fail. You will lose a job. You will, you're, you'll have a relationship end. You'll have a situation where things don't go well. So it's really important, I think, to have a game plan a mental game plan to learn to deal with this. All right, our number is 913-3810-810. I want to hear from you if you're a coach. I want to hear from you if you're an athlete. I want to hear how you deal with failing and how do you learn from it and grow from it. Look, we have our first call this morning. Let's see what Crush has to say. Crush, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Doc. Hey, thanks, man. Sure, I haven't heard from you in a while. Well, you are the best kept secret. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I, I think about you sometimes because... I've been talking a little bit recently that, uh, and you, you talk about all sports, but uh, a hitter in baseball has to be their own sports psychiatrist, if you will, okay, because there's so much failure, okay? And you could you could do everything that you want to do at the plate and come up empty, if you will. And uh, if you hit a, a line drive, um, I think you have to almost trick yourself into thinking you're exactly where you need to be. Um, if you hit a really deep fly ball and that's what you wanted to do is elevate a baseball and, and hit a ball hard and uh, it's an out, well, you hit the ball well, you know, and uh, we don't really, we're not really looking to change anything. So how, let me ask this. So let me ask this question. Just let me interject something here, Crush. So, success and failure in baseball. Since we're talking about that, how do you define it? Because 
I've got a story I'll share with you when, when I was the royal psychologist about one of the players. But you go ahead and answer that, then I'm going to tell you this story and well, see what you think. It, it, it gets old to hear sometimes, but you're, you're trying to get a good pitch to hit and hit it hard. You know, you're not trying to uh, do anything more than that. And I've been thinking about this a little bit. And if if you got a good pitch to hit and, and you had a good approach and, and you hit the ball hard and you got out, well, I'm, I'm hoping that the player recognizes he's exactly where he needs to be. But on the flip side of that, if you hit some little blooper that maybe you were out front and swung at a bad pitch, and but it got your right-handed hitter and it got over the first base and said just barely, you're you're on first base, but you should probably be thinking, well, that that's not exactly what I'm I'm looking to do with the baseball, you know. Um, go ahead, I've got more, but well, now here here's the thing. I mean, you're 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 really hitting on it pr- pretty much head on. Um, I am not the royal psychologist now. I have been a couple of times for a number of years, and a few years ago, I'm watching batting practice, and. One of the guys on the team comes out of the cage and grabs me and says, Doc, what's wrong with me? And, and I looked at him and I said, there's nothing wrong with you, man. You're a great guy. And he is a, this guy is a great guy. Good family man. Great teammate. I mean, he's not, he's not playing anymore. He's retired now. But he says, Doc, my average is 225. I am not a 225 hitter. Do you know what it's like to step in that batter's box and look at your your batting average on the scoreboard and I said no I don't know what it's like because I've never played Major League Baseball absolutely not. but let me ask you a question when you're getting in the box what are you thinking about and what are you looking at because well first thing I see is that that blank scoreboard up there well stop looking at the scoreboard well hey what, what were you were you listening to what I said yeah I said well let me ask you a question aren't you supposed to be looking at the pitcher and not the scoreboard and he got this big smile on his face and he says doc that man that's why I love you I said look so we went after he was done with batting practice. We went back and uh, got something to eat and talked about it for a while. And I said, "Look, when you're coming up to bat, I get it. Your average isn't where you want it to be. I get it. You don't feel good about it. But if all you're doing is looking at that and you're thinking about that, you're not focusing on executing." Well, that night he you know, goes. That, that, let, uh, let me let, let me go, go ahead, ahead here. Uh, the, the level I coach at. There's not a scoreboard with the statistics, okay? And so you don't climb into the batter's box with that, you know? And one of the things that you talk about failure, I think one of the things as a coach to deal with failure is sometimes or a lot of times you don't say a single word about it. Like, don't even mention it. Like, the game is moving on. You know, I mean, this guy, I know he failed. But ha- what it has he to be, but crush, it has to be about effort, okay? And that's that's the point is that night, let me just finish the story. That got, that night, that guy went two for four and actually drove in the winning run in the eighth inning. And after the game, he came over, gave me a hug. He says, Doc, thanks, man. He goes, you were right. He goes, I was thinking the wrong things. And I said, you're a Major League Baseball player. You have been for a number of years. I said, you've been here because you're good. You're talented. You're skillful. And mentally, you're strong, but it's easy to get stuck in that rut. And I said, you've got to keep challenging yourself to not stay there, and to focus on the positives. And that's well, I, I, th- I think goal setting is a big deal, okay? Because a good hitter 
could enter the game thinking, I'm going to get two hits today. Okay, that, that's a good goal. Okay, I'm going to get two hits today. Well, what happens if he gets two hits in his first two at-bats? Well, then he needs to reestablish a goal. He's going to get, he's going to get three hits today. But on the flip side of that, which happens way more often, what happens if he's up in the eighth or ninth inning and he has zero hits? Well, he, he's only going to – this is his last at-bat, and he cannot get two hits in one at-bat. Okay, so he's not going to achieve the goal of getting two hits today. But guess what? Let's say in, that, in this situation, there's a man on third base and less than two outs. He could set a goal that I'm going to drive in this run. Okay? And then if he was able to hit it, sack up or whatever, hit sack fly, still get out or whatever, but drive in the run, he's actually, even though he's 0 for 3 with a sack fly, he's 1 for 2 in his goal setting. Well, but here's the here, yeah, Crush, here, here's the thing. Okay, and this is this is the way I look at it. I don't I don't measure success in terms of results. I measure success in terms of effort. And in the end that's what it comes down to. It's about the effort. So we spend we are a very materialistic society, especially when it comes to sports. And I had an athlete in my office yesterday, a golfer, and he says, Doc, he goes, The stats in golf now just drive me crazy. I said, and the problem he has and, and he's a collegiate golfer who, who shoots in the, in the mid to low 70s most of the time. And I said to him, I said, look, I said, the key thing you got to focus on is your effort. And how many holes of the 18 holes you play are you thinking about your score? And he said about half of them. And I said, on those, about those half of those scores or those holes that you're thinking about results, how many of those holes do you end up not playing well on? He said about four or five of them. And that's what screws up my round. So his challenge now is to focus on execution and effort, not yeah, on results. I think one of the things to deal with failure in the course of the game is, I've mentioned this one time to you before, but it's been a year or two, so for the listeners or whatever. Verbals. If you got a positive verbal game, like if, you, if you're, once again, if you're being your own sports doctor, if you have a positive verbal game, where you don't have words like don't in your verbals. You, you know, you have positive words. There's no negative words in your verbal. Verbals disallow time for negative thought, okay? So when you see an a MLB guy step out of the box and kind of redo his batting gloves, it, it, my, my perspective is he's saying positive things to himself. He's talking about – he's doing some short to it, long to it, uh, keep your head back. Or maybe he's talking about uh, what, what does this pitcher do on a 1-1 count in the scouting report. Uh, take it to other sports. Um, you know, when w- football. When I see this particular player go in motion on this, our scouting report says he's going to do this. So I'm going to take a step forward. That's a verbal. Uh, basketball. Uh, if they penetrate, if this point guard, I'm guarding the point guard. If he penetrates, I, I'm going to shuffle my feet real quick. Like, like positive verbals. Like, whatever happened last play, you, you, you know this. You, the opposite, you can't get too up either. Maybe well, and the, bot- the bottom line is this. Listen, I w- I'm going to let you go here. I, I, this, right, great, no, 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 no. Hold on. Great, great call. Great comments. And you get it. And it, and it, but it's about the process. And if you it, so if you focus on results, 
okay, you will fail and you will be stuck on that and the negativity will consume you. Listen, Crush, you, 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 I appreciate the calls. It's good to hear from you again. Call back again. I appreciate very much what you said. All right, that frees up our lines here at 913 I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Here's our topic this morning. That was, that was a great call. Great call, great comments. He gets it. it. Failure. When you fail, how do you overcome it? How do you bounce back from it? How do you react from it? Our phone number is 913-3810-810. If you are a coach, I want to hear from someone who is coaching. I don't care if it's Little League, if it's collegiate, professional. I have all kinds of people listen to this show. I get comments every week. When you have a team or an athlete you're coaching with that has failed, what do you say to them? How do you get them to overcome it? 913-3810-810 is the number. Because we will do it. Look, the Royals lost in extra innings last night. They've got a new game today. They happen to be going against the best pitcher in baseball, Clayton Kershaw. Guess what? He's not invincible. The Dodgers are not invincible. They're pretty damn good. Well, the Royals are playing great baseball now, too. It's about focus. It's about the process. If you focus on the result, like Crush was just saying, our, our last caller just mentioned, you, you set a goal, I'm going to get two hits today. Well, it's the eighth inning, and you're only going to bat one more time, and you don't have any hits. Have you failed? No. That's why I say my goal today is maybe not necessarily I want to get – nothing wrong to say I want to get two hits, but the goal is I want to make contact. I want to have quality of bats. Because if you do that, you have a greater chance to succeed. All right, our number is 913-3810-810. I want to hear from you if you're a coach. I want to hear from your athlete. If you're a parent, how do you handle failure? Do you talk about it? Do you teach it? Do you work with it? Or do you ignore it? Let's see what Tom has to say. Tom, good morning, sir. How are you? Fine. Good morning. Um, uh, I played high school and college sports and then went on to coach high school for 26 years, different sports. And every athlete has a different competitive edge and obviously uh, a coach a good coach is a psychologist so he works with those athletes in that capacity my philosophy was very simple after the game you look in the mirror and if you say that you put out a hundred percent when you're out there competing then you've been successful. The wins and losses will come. Most kids will not go on to play college ball. So the objective throughout their high school career is to feel that they are able to put out 100% with whatever level they're at. Then they'll feel a little bit better about themselves. So you're talking about the effort more than you exactly. are the result. And, and that's what you referred to just a minute ago, is the effort exemplifies the success. Won or lost, if, if you're out there only to win, you're going to put more, so much pressure on yourself, you're going to make mistakes. If you go out there to, to do your best for yourself and the team, then you're going to feel better about the result. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Tom, and I don't know how often you listen to the show. I've been here for 16 years, been on the radio in Kansas City now for 26 years, and this is what I've talked about forever because to me, uh, having, having been a sports psychologist in practice for 36 years, about as long as anybody in the country doing this, I've seen this in every level, and it doesn't matter what the sport is. 
you know, when you fail and you get hung up on that and you get hung up on the materialistic side of it, the winning and losing, the, the statistics, the results, you don't learn as much as when you focus on the non-materialistic part of it, the effort, the attitude, the motivation, the confidence. And how you handle that will teach you so much about how you move on in life. And I don't care what, what, what the sport is. It's, about, it's, it's a life lesson. Don't you agree? Oh, for sure. And, and I think the thing that has – I am not a, uh, a pro Little League person at all. I think Little League sports has been, done a really good job of corrupting upper-level upper, uh, sports. Um, and it starts from the so-called coaches to the parents. And the last thing that um, the parents are concerned about, or the first thing they're concerned about, is their child being being the best kid on the team and all that garbage. Well, the epitome of that, Tom, was my, my show last week. I talked about there's a uh, little league coach down in Texas that has a ten and under team where he recruits players nationally to be in his team, and <laughs> it's it's total sickness. There's a dad who's paid thirty thousand dollars flying his son back and forth to Texas from California to play on this team. So uh, it's, isn't, it, isn't that beautiful? Well, it's ridiculous. But the, but the fact is, fact is, Tom, this stuff goes on a lot, okay? I know. And, you know, the amount of money people pay for their kids to participate in youth sports has gotten out of hand. I mean, it's well, ridiculous now. And it's going on because there are people who are obsessed with winning and obsessed with my son's going to play or my daughter's going to play in college, or they're going to be a pro. They don't have any idea about that. Oh no, it's it's unbelievable. But I don't I don't think it's going to ever change. I think it's going to get just continue to get bad, in my opinion. Well, the perfect it's, example of all this is is the uh, uh, the basketball player out of UCLA. You know, his last name is Ball, Alonzo Ball, who just got drafted by the Lakers. His dad's crazy. Um, his dad's ego e- egocentric to the point that it's ridiculous, and it's all about me, 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 me. And I feel yeah. sorry for those kids in that family because you know what? This guy is putting them on a level that's unrealistic, and it's going to be interesting to see how how their lives develop and how they turn out. Because I'm not sure they're going to be very happy um, when you've got a father like that with the, with the ego that he has raising you. But That'll be an interesting story to watch. Listen, Tom, thank you, sir, for your call this morning. I appreciate it. And I have good comments. Yeah, thank you. Okay, appreciate have a great it. day. Thanks. All right, that frees up our lines here at 913-3810-810. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I had two great calls this morning. We've got a wide-open phone board. I want to hear from you. My topic this morning is this. How do you overcome failure? As a coach, do you teach failure to your athletes? If you are an athlete and you have failed, which you – inevitably have or will what goes through your mind about that how do you bounce back from it how do you move on from it and what do you do mentally you know i always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top i've been a sports psychologist for 36 years obviously i'm very much into the mind part of this the mental part of this the confidence part the attitude part you can't measure those things but in the end You can be the greatest athlete in the world. And quite frankly, when I was the Royal Psychologist back in 1990, I got to know Bo Jackson, who probably is the greatest athlete of modern times. Bo Jackson's confidence level was really high because as a kid, he had to overcome a lot. I got to know him quite well, and I respected him and liked him a lot because he 
didn't take any grief from anybody. He stood up for himself and he believed in himself because he says, Doc, listen, these are games that I'm playing. Life is a bigger thing. Our number here is 913-3810-810. I'd like to hear from you if you're an athlete, if you're a coach. How do you handle failure? How do you teach it? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and along with my engineer, producer, Josh Briscoe, we are here every Sunday morning from 7 8 a.m. He does a great job making sure the show is up and running. So thank you, Josh, for your work today and for being here and being awake. Good job. This show is about your mind, and it's a show I do every week. I've been here for 16 years on Sports Radio 810 WHB on the radio in Kansas City now for 26 years. I have worked as a sports psychologist for 36 years, and it blows my mind I've been doing it that long, but I have. And um, one of the first trained sports psychologists in the country. And it's interesting. You know, we're talking today about failure, and we're going to go back to the phones in a moment. I've been dealing with this forever. Um, but it's still interesting to me how there are still so many people who don't understand the mental part of sports and how so many teams don't believe in utilizing sports psychologists to help them because they think it's a bunch of BS. And I get that all the time from a lot of people. Um, there are a lot of people who are very open-minded to this. There are a lot of people who just aren't. But, you know, I like to say, as I shared earlier, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top. And I truly believe that. And I can vouch for that in thousands of examples. So failure. Our topic today is how do you overcome failure? We all fail. We all deal with screw-ups and things that go wrong. How do you handle it when it doesn't go well? 913-3810-810 is the number. Let's see what Elise has to say. Good morning. How are you this morning? Um, I'm good. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Thank you for calling in. Okay. Well, I actually don't have any advice to give. I just I wanted to share an example of my son and see if you had some advice for me. Okay. So he um, he wrestled when he was six, and he did pretty good, um, you know, for his first time. Um, and he um, the coach yelled at him, like, more than I thought was probably acceptable for a six-year-old. But at the final tournament of the season, my son had won the match. He pinned the kid in the second round, and the coach yelled at him. And when I got down there, he was crying. And he said, you know, the coach said I don't wrestle good. And um, anyway, basically, then when I confronted the coach about it, he was like, oh, no, 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 I didn't say that. I said, uh, you know, he needs to stop giving the kids their back because he's giving them points. And at the time, us being new to wrestling, I was like, I don't understand what you're saying, so I'm pretty sure my six-year-old doesn't. Um, so the next year, he didn't wrestle. He didn't want to. He wanted to play basketball, and that was fine. I let him play basketball. He did well. And then the next year, he wanted to wrestle again. Um, and so I found a different team, and the coaches, um, they were more laid back. But my son, um, if he loses, he's very hard on himself. And... Um, you know, a couple of matches, like, he did really well. He ended up getting to go to state. But he, um, like, at, you know, some tournaments, he'd get second. And he'd be like, I never get first. You know, why am I so bad? I never get first. And I'm like, no, you did fine. And if he'd lose a match, 
I well, and I know this probably isn't a good thing, but it usually takes me buying him something. You know, they have vendors of these tournaments, and I like I remember one match, I bought him a pair of socks just to like calm him down and get him happy again, so that then he could go out and win his next match, and he just didn't lose the rest of the day. Well, at least. Do you have any advice for me? Well, yeah. Uh, okay. First of all, uh, why did you have him competing at six? Um, you know, I, I started my kids young, like my girls played soccer when they were young, like four, you know, just for fun. And, um, I mean, lots of other people do. He's, he's kind of been like, he's always like, he played football, um, flag football at five because he wanted to, you know, he, in fact, we had to go to a different city because where we were living, they wouldn't let him play because of when his birthday was. And when I told him, you're not going to be able to play football, he cried and cried. And I was like, okay, well, I'll find another league. And football, he does okay with, I think, because it's a team sport, you know. Right, so, right. Um, but see, but here, here's, yeah, here, here's the problem you've got. All right, and this is this is why I talk about this in the show every week. We start kids at competitive levels at way too young, and we 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 get into this whole winning and losing thing. Six years of age, no matter how mature your son was at six, he wasn't mature enough to handle what this coach did. All right, and that's why you have idiots coaching, and I and I say it very strongly. You have people coaching kids who don't have any business coaching kids because they don't get what they're doing and saying to these kids. Okay, that coach did not ha teach your son how to handle winning and losing. He put a stigma on your son, and now your son's got issues. Okay, based on what you're telling me, I'm just you know we're just talking here for the first time, but. He's got some issues now that he's got to learn how to overcome because if not, these will be things that are going to be stuck with him for a long time. That's why I work with people on this because you've got what, – what he learned as a six-year-old was that it wasn't okay to fail or to lose. And instead of being told – like our book – not that I try to sell my book all the time, but, yeah, you should probably get my book. Just let him play. We talk about, like I said, Chapter 3, Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun, How to Learn from Failure. Failure is okay. It's part of the game. It's part of the sport. It's part of life. Your son has to learn that and understand that, and he's scared of it, and he's running from it, and it's partially because, I mean, I just based on what you're telling me, partially because of what that coach told him and did to him. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does because, you know, at this year, like I said, he had a pretty great season. I really liked the coaches. They were very supportive and, you know, they weren't negative on him at all. You know, if he didn't do well, I mean, they were more teaching. But now he's saying, well, I want to go back to basketball. And I'm like, but why? Like, you, like, I feel like he has a talent for wrestling. It's you know? okay. You said he's eight now? Uh, he'll be nine. Okay, so he's eight. Okay, let him, listen, I, and, and I talk about this all the time. Young kids should play a team sport and an individual sport. Don't just play one sport all the time. Play yeah, a team he does sport. Play football. Well, well, good. But you know what? If he wants to play basketball, let him play basketball. Okay, I, I would not force him to play. You know, to wrestle just because he's good at. He'll if he's good at. It, he wants to come back. He'll come back to it. Let him do different things. At it, before before they're twelve or thirteen, it's fine to do a bunch of sports, because we we unfortunately now are in this specialization thing, at such young ages, kids don't get to experience a lot of things. So let him do yeah. play basketball. Let him wrestle. Let him play football. You know, don't overload yourself for him, but let him do the different things and have fun with and have fun. Elise, he needs to have fun. OK, and he needs to learn that failure is OK because it's going to happen. I don't say you have to like it, but he has to learn that it's part of the game. 
And that coach that he had at age six did a total disservice to him by what he did. Okay? So you, you think it's more what that coach did. and Because I was thinking maybe it was something, you know, just his personality that he sold. Because I have twins that are girls that are 12, and they've, like you said, they played lots of different sports and stuff. And now that they're 12, they're kind of, you know, getting to where they kind of real like more sports and, you know, are trying to pay, play a little bit more competitive. But he was the first one to have, you know, be so down on himself. Yeah, so. that. Co- I, I mean, look, I, I, I don't know your history and everything else and his history, but based on what you're telling me, what that coach did was a total disservice to your son. Okay? And that's why people who are coaching kids need to read my book. Okay, or our, our book, because we hit, I mean, Jeff Montgomery played Major League Baseball for years. He coached for years. He's a three-time All-Star. Pete Malone is in the Olympic Swimming Hall of Fame. He coached five gold medalists in the Olympics. And then I, I'm involved with that, too. I mean, it, there are lessons in there. To, that's why people need to read that book. And that's why people need to understand who are coaching kids, it's not about the wins and losses. It's about the experience and the growth. And we screw kids up because you have the egos of these coaches who need to win and have to everybody's got to be first place and you're not any good if you don't and that message gets shared pushed down to these kids and it screws them up if i can so, be of some help to you at least line, feel free to call me at my office because this is what i work okay. with people on well i have another quick question and i probably will buy your book but so i'm my youngest son is four years old and so i was thinking of getting him like into like the fun little soccer this fall but I was also thinking that if my older son continued to wrestle, that I would have him go to the wrestling um, practices and then maybe do, like, two of, like, the little um, wrestling tournaments that have, like, four and under. Do you think that that could be detrimental? I, like there's no reason for a four-year-old to be in a wrestling tournament. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, last week I had a guy call up about his four-year-old daughter who's playing in a t-ball competitive league with five- and six-year-old boys. I mean, I don't know anything about you, you or your family, but four-year-old kids should not be in a competitive sports league at any level. Yeah. They should be okay. just having fun, learning the skills, enjoying it, and and just learning about the sport, so not competing. So if I just practices, but not a tournament. Yeah, just yeah. learn about how to wrestle. That's fine. Go to learn. But no tournaments. No, not at four. That's insane. Okay? I just, I'm sorry. I know there are coaches out there going to tell me I'm full of it, but at age four, their kids shouldn't be in any type of competitive activity sport-wise at all. It should be a fun learning experience, not a competitive experience. Okay? They're not mature all enough right. yet. All right. Good luck. If I can be of any help, you get a hold of me. Thanks okay, for your call, thank Elise. You okay. Good luck to you. Let's go next to Sean. Sean, good morning, sir. How are you? Thanks for holding hey, on. Hey, just fine. How's it going? All right. Uh, my, uh, my thing is, one of the things I agree with you, uh, I come from a very athletic family, professional players in my background, lots of college. I myself was a college athlete in football. Uh, one of the things that we were taught is we never got on to play competitive sports until we were 12 years old. We, we were taught the fundamentals, everything by our, you know, our dad, our uncles, and just playing with the kids in the neighborhood with maybe you know, our dad showing us everything, how it's supposed to be done. And we were always taught that it wasn't really a failure. It was a learning tool. You know, it's great you went three for four out there on the ball field. But, you know, here's what the mistakes you made. This is where you can improve upon. It wasn't looked about as a failure ever. 
It was more of, hey, if you want to get better, these are the things you got to work on. Here's the flaws. And we learned to embrace that, especially, you know, on the, the more individual sport things like baseball and football. And, uh, you know, where your position individually, you have to do this. It's uh, the best effort you can give. I mean, if your second baseman made five errors and that's the reason you lost, you can't help that. Then what you would you – let me ask you this question, Sean. What would you uh, say to the lady that just called? Well, one, I think four and six years old is kind of uh, way too old for any sport. Uh, the individual at that age should really just be working on tossing the ball in the backyard, just playing. Uh, I think, uh, you know, some of these uh, old places they have with the uh, – what do you call them, tumbling and gymnastics or – you know, a little bit of the cross-training things where they get kids involved just in athletic events. You know, to be a better athlete is way better than getting somebody in a competitive sport at that age. Well, and, that, yeah, and that's why, that's why I shared with her what I did, which to me is I, I think it's absurd to be having any child uh, younger than first grade in any type of competitive event, sport event. I, I think it should be about the, the learning, the fundamentals, the skills, and having fun. And all these, I mean, why, let me ask you this question. All right, since, since you come from an athletic family and you've been involved with it, why do you think there are competitive leagues, competitions for kids that age? I, I, I have a, a very strong opinion on that. I want to see what you say. Uh, because of parents. And that's part of it. And uh, what, that's, and, the, that's the only reason I think there is is because it also great. I think there's a little money involved in all this stuff. There you go. That, that, that's what it's about. To me, in my opinion... The reason it's there is because someone's making money, okay? Why not have, and I've said this on this show forever, we, will, we are going to a place where there will be a competitive sports league for pregnant women, okay? We're going down that, that I mean, four-year-olds playing competitive sports is insane, okay? They're not emotionally mature enough to understand what in the heck they're doing, okay? Go play have some fun, learn things. The score, the result should be an irrelevant factor. If you're sitting there out there in, in any type of competition at four, what is that going to teach them? You tell me, Sean, what you think. I don't think it's going to teach them anything. For one, also, the only if the child's not developed enough or you know not mentally strong enough at that time, just because for whatever reason, uh, it's going to set him back. He's going to have a bad taste for sports forever. And he's not going to want to get involved in it. And it could affect him mentally throughout his life. Uh, but I don't want to say this, but, you know, a loser concept. Well, you know, the, being in Kansas City, here's the perfect example about why what I'm saying I think makes sense. His name is Lorenzo Cain. He didn't start playing baseball till he was in high school. And, you know, he's, he's one of the Royals' top players. He's obviously been a big contributor to their success. He didn't start playing baseball too as in high school. So I think I think that says it all, don't you? Well, you know, I get, it doesn't matter. An, an athlete, good with good mentally strength, God-given skills, he'll be able to pick up anything with the right coaching. He's going to excel at anything. That's one of the things I think it's better for a kid to get involved in all types of activities, non-competitive until the age of 12, 13, and then let the child decide what sports he's going to want to be in. My, myself, I chose football over baseball once I got older. 
mostly because of my size. One of the worst things I saw was parents pushing their kids into football because I was from Nebraska, and those kids hated it or got hurt. Well, listen, I think you've got the right perspective, and I want to thank you for your call this morning, sir. Good comments. You. you have a great day. You too. Goodbye. All right, that frees up our lines here at 913-3810-810. want to find out from you in our last segment, what does failure mean to you as a coach, as an athlete? How have you learned from it? How do you grow from it? What does it teach you? And when you have failed in sport, whatever role you play, what did you take from that to help you get better? 913-3810-810 is the number. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're in the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHP. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m. here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I always like to say one of the best-kept secrets in Kansas City is this show because we talk about your mind. We talk about, in the end, what it's all about because whatever the score is at the end, whatever the results are at the end, if your mind isn't into it, if you're not confident, if you're not focused, if you don't have the right attitude, if you're not prepared, you won't do as well as you can. Today's topic has been this, the issue of failure, teaching failure, learning from failure, growing from failure. And we have an open phone board right now, first time in the whole show. I want to hear from you at 913-3810-810. How do you teach failure to your team? And have your kids learned from failure? Or has failure taken them down? 913-3810-810 is the number. It's a beautiful Sunday morning here today. A lot of you are on the way to the golf course, to the swimming pool, to the tennis courts, to the baseball diamond, the soccer field, the softball diamond, whatever it might be. Going out for a run. I'll be doing my swim here after the show. What do you learn from failure? What is the biggest lesson you have learned from failure in life? 913-3810-810 is the number. I will tell you at 62 and a half years old, I've learned a lot, and I'm still learning a lot. I don't think I know that much yet. There's still a lot to learn before I'm done. And I failed at a lot of things, and it hasn't been fun. There have been a lot of things that have happened in my life that I didn't enjoy, but I've had to move on because we all have to move on or we don't have, we don't have a choice. Failure is a big, big piece of life. And if you have a young child playing sports, and like Elise, the caller we had earlier, her son's six, competitively wrestling and has a coach ream him because he didn't win, basically, that young man's now got issues because he had a coach who had no business coaching at age six. Because if you're going to coach kids at young ages, you need to be a positive, supportive person. And if you are critical and condescending and focused on winning, you're screwed up and you're going to screw those kids up. Tell me if you agree or disagree. 913-3810-810 is the number. I mean, that situation with her son is the perfect example about why I talk about this on this show every week. People who coach kids 
should have education in the psychological component of people. You should learn about kids' egos, about kids' confidence. You should learn about your ego and your confidence. Because if your ego gets into this as a coach, you're screwing those kids up. I have a saying, a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. Because if it becomes about you, it's not about the people you're coaching. And then the result is what we have with that caller named Elise who called earlier in the show. Six-year-old wrestling competitively now has issues about losing because he got condescended and insulted by a coach for not doing well. I don't care what level of comp competition you're coaching a child at. You should be supportive, educational, reinforcing, and teaching. You should not be condescending, criticizing, and cutting them down. And if you are, you shouldn't be coaching. That's my opinion. You may not agree with me. You may say I'm full of it. That's your right. But I've seen the harm that comes from people who coach kids who have their egos get too involved in this. You know, listen to our podcast from last week about the, the, the baseball coach in Texas who coaches a 10 and under team, and it's all about winning. He's got kids flying in from all over the country to play in his team. He bragged that, that as of last week they were 81 and 5 since January. Well, what, what coach in his right mind has a group of 10 year olds flying in from all over the country and playing 86 games? Major League players play 162 games. That's if they play in all of them. And very rarely does anyone play in every game. You throw in spring training and throw in postseason, it could be up to 200 games. Your body wears down. Kids shouldn't be doing that. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every Sunday from 7, 8 a.m. This is a great format for you to talk with me and share your thoughts. I obviously give mine. I'm not saying I'm right. It's just what I think. And I'd like to hear from you. You can get a hold of me several ways. You can call me at my office, 816-561-5556. I am taking on new clients. I give speeches on this all the time. You can check me out at my website, which is winnersunlimited.com, W-I-N-N-E-R-S, unlimited.com. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com, drj at winnersunlimited.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at drjsportspsych. Our shows are podcasted here at WHB. Go to additional programming and find it there. They're also podcasted on my website. And my podcast show, which I do every week, is also on my website, winnersunlimited.com. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. I'll talk to you next Sunday here at The Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB.